0: So you know how this starts. Are you ready? Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. I hope that you were able to say that with me just now. Today we come out of the darkness, uh, and it has been a week of dark lament, and into the glorious light of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wish we could be together today so we could do this face-to-face, and we look forward to that time. But we can, between now and then, unite our hearts in the hope of the gospel, together in faith in Jesus. So join me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15 today as we think about the resurrection of the body. And then next Sunday, we'll do the next paragraph in this same chapter as we come to the end of the creed and think about the life everlasting. Amen. Speaking of the creed, uh, in verse 13, did you notice, as Paula read Scripture a moment ago, did you notice, did anything sound familiar? Did you see the I believe, I believed, or we believed? And you can see the immediate connection to the creed. The apostles want to make it very clear that our faith is about trusting, believing, hoping in Christ, which reminds me, as we're thinking about the creed, I need to say, that, need to say this one more time, Christians Don't treat the creed as if we believe in incantations or magical mantras or some sort of uh, hollow religious recitation. That's not how we treat the creed. That's not what we think makes the creed valuable. Not at all. Um, You can't become a Christian just by reciting the creed. Uh, We don't say the creed to make good things happen in our life. You're not, if you say the creed over and over again, you're not gonna get a job promotion. Uh, You won't get your stimulus check any faster. That's not how Christianity works. That's not what the creed does. The creed helps us, though. It helps us to say, I believe, just like those disciples of the New Testament. I believe, and it helps us in at least three ways. We've talked about these. The, The creed brings clarity It brings personal clarity because I have to decide, do I believe this? Now that my parents aren't looking over my shoulder, is this what I believe? The creed also brings maturity. Can I say with the Apostle Paul, we are afflicted on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair? Does our faith have the kind of maturity that can endure suffering? So the, pre, the creed, it brings clarity, and, and it brings maturity. And third, it brings unity. It, it reminds us that our faith ties us to the church, to the local church, uh, and to the universal church. No matter what race, age, gender, socioeconomic status, the creed summarizes our common faith. It connects us, and in this moment, this cultural moment of loneliness and social fragmentation and distress we need connection we need to be tied to people and the creed does that it ties us to one another and it collapses time and space and goes back to a long long line of witnesses who have trusted in christ before us so the creed brings clarity it brings maturity and it brings unity to the body of christ today All over the world, in every time zone, there's a rising chorus of voices saying, I believe in the resurrection of the body. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We join our hearts and our voices with the church in saying that. So I want to walk through verses 13, 14, and 15. 2 Corinthians 4, beginning in verse 13. And Here's the outline. Verse 13, I believe. Verse 14, in the resurrection of the body. Verse 15, made possible by his grace for the purpose of his glory. Let's walk through those verses together. Verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what's been written. Here's what Paul's saying in verse 13. No matter how painful, no matter how intense the persecution, we carry the saving death of Jesus around in our bodies, and we still believe. We have that same kind of faith, Paul says. That same courageous spirit of faith. That's that's how I read that phrase, spirit of faith. Uh, we have that same courageous spirit of faith as those who went before us. Scripture is filled with with men and women of courageous faith, which reminds me, says Paul. And then he quotes one of his favorite psalms, Psalm 116. And I guess it just... Uh, it just comes to mind to him because it was, it was so meaningful. He, he latched on to that particular psalm probably because the context of that psalm is one of death where the psalmist writes about how death ensnares him and surrounds him and how he feels pressured on every side. But then he goes on to say, I will walk in the land of the living. I believe and so I speak. And so Paul says, quoting that very psalm, we have that same kind of faith. We have that same kind of faith. We also believe. Look at the end of verse 13. We also believe and so we speak. It is essential to Christianity. It is the mark of saving faith to be willing to say out loud, I believe. To say with your own voice, I believe in Jesus Christ. Don't miss the link. I think Paul's trying to point that out. He's trying to show us the link between I believe and therefore I voice, I speak, I say out loud. Don't miss that. If you don't give voice to your faith, it will not be real. If you don't give voice to your faith, it will not be genuine faith. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, for with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul says both are necessary. I don't think he's trying to point out an order between the two, but I think he's trying to say both are necessary. You you can't just say I believe here or here. It has to come out here. It has to be your faith. You have to voice it and say I believe in Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus said? These are pretty arresting words. Everyone, Jesus said in Matthew 10, everyone who identifies with me before other people, I will identify him. I will line up with him before the Father. I will represent him before the Father. But whoever denies me around others, I will deny before the Father. What sobering words. Paul here in 2 Corinthians 4.13 is calling us to see how faith works and how when belief in the heart combines with a willingness to voice faith in Jesus Christ, there's this courageous, hopeful, life-giving thing that happens, so much so that we are no longer intimidated by death. We're no longer Afraid, even uh, of saying something about who we trust in to other people. I spoke yesterday with one of our ladies who's considering baptism. And I called her yesterday because this passage reminded me of the conversation Vicky and I had with her when we went out to lunch with her not long ago, back when you were allowed to go out to lunch with people. And in that conversation, she was telling us essentially. This very thing. She was saying, I believe and the Lord is dealing with me and I am feeling a sense of conviction that not only do I believe, but I I should give voice to my faith in Jesus. I should not be afraid to be baptized and to give testimony to the church and to the world. That's exactly right, we said. Baptism is that place where your heart and your voice line up. Um, where your heart and your actions to, to be willing to go down into the water, to bury your old way of life and to rise and live with Jesus. One way, we were really encouraged by that lunch with her, and I hope it'll be an encouragement to you if you're considering giving voice to your faith right now. She's working on her testimony, and, uh, and I hope you will start, if you've not yet done this, considering the same. One way you can strengthen your faith today, right now, is to say out loud, even if you're by yourself, and even if you're already a believer, you can strengthen your faith right now by giving voice to what you bo- Say out loud, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. Just voice that to yourself. You don't have to do it loud. Uh, if you're with others, you could just say it very naturally. But take a moment and voice, I believe, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. Now exactly what do we believe about Jesus? Verse 14 takes us there. Look at what verse 14 says, gives Paul confidence, right? And what it is he's actually, what he's uniting his heart and his voice in, the content of his faith is in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. Three things that form the content of Christian faith. One, Jesus is Lord. You see it right there in the text, verse 14. We believe that Jesus is Lord, that is, he's master. We submit our lives to him. Uh, Trust we trust in, him with all, trust in him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and let him lead you in every path, right? Trust in Jesus as Lord. Secondly, believing in Jesus means believing in the resurrected Christ. God raised him from the dead. Apart from the resurrection of Jesus, there is no gospel. Paul will say this in 1 Corinthians 15, right? He says, Christ died for our sins. He defines the gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, was buried, and was raised according to the scriptures. And he goes on to say that if there is no resurrection, if there's no resurrection, if Christ has not been raised, then then our preaching is in vain, and we're actually misrepresenting God. We've been giving false testimony, and if that's the case, then you're, you're still in your sins, and faith is futile. Faith is empty. Faith is hopeless. It's meaningless. It's it's a religious crutch. But then he goes on to say, Christ is risen. And he's the first fruits of all bodies that will ever be resurrected ever in the history of the world. So verse 14 teaches us that we believe in Jesus as Lord. We believe that God raised him from the dead. And here's Here's the really good part for you personally. First, the, third, the third thing in verse uh, 14. He will bring you with him into the presence of God. We will rise with Jesus and be taken into God's presence. That is only possible because of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Only possible. that The only way that we could go with him is if he conquers death for all of us. And that is what he did. In Revelation 118, Jesus, the risen Christ, says to the apostle John, I am the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. I hold them. Death and Hades don't have the keys anymore. When I rose, I took the keys with me on my way out. I hold them. I'm in charge of them. Death is the last enemy. It no longer has power and authority over you. The only way you and I can rise with Christ and go and be taken into the presence of God to live with him and dwell with him forever is because Jesus took the keys with him on his way out. He conquered death. We will rise with him again. So, verse 13, I believe verse 14, in the resurrection of the body. Now verse 15, Paul says all of this is made possible by God's grace and for the ultimate purpose of his glory. So resurrection is never just for the purpose of resurrection, it's got an ultimate purpose, the glory of God. And verse 15 puts it this way, this is all for your sake, he's writing to these to, to believers in corinth whom he loves and cares about and he's saying this is for your sake grace came to you from us and through us but it shouldn't just stop with you so that as grace extends to more and more people I, I want you to see what's happening here. Paul says grace came to us uh, my, me and my apostolic band here uh, it came to us and we took and we, we came we were willing to to carry uh, the threat of death with us to get the gospel to you and we've brought the gospel to you and so we hope that the grace that has come to your life will not stop there and it will extend to more and more people. It's for your sake and for all those who, will, who receive grace further down the line. It's for your sake So that as grace extends to more and more people, it will just increase this buildup of gratitude and glory toward God himself. The heart of the Apostle Paul was that grace would constantly spread from one person to another. Paul did not see it as his mission to be the only one who would go to new places and tell them about Jesus. And so, for a new city to find grace, it had to happen through Paul. Not at all. Paul's saying, You now, as disciples, you become uh, the embodiment of God's grace wherever you are. And so, you continue. Grace that saves will always be grace that spreads. It can't just stay with us. This power of the resurrection that he's been talking about, that God's going to take us, how selfish would it be for you and I to think, oh, Jesus is going to take us into his presence in the sweet by and by and never in a moment think about who else would experience that grace and that needed resurrection of the body to live with him forever and so Paul uses this kind of language all the time. He wants grace to spread. He wants it to abound and resound to more and more glory to God. Grace that saves is grace that unites more and more people and it spreads and it's contagious and it's powerful. One of my favorite fishing stories goes like this. I'm about eight or nine years old. We're in the, the beach house rental that we've gone to several years, I guess, in a row now and this is in in beach haven on the jersey coast and most of the house is still asleep and barreling through the front door comes uncle frank and all i hear him saying as he comes crashing into the house into this quiet moment the blues are running the blues are running and he just it doesn't matter what's happening in the house. He brings, it, he's announcing and he's proclaiming that the blues are running. I, if you if you've never seen the blues running on the Atlantic coast, it's amazing. So he would, in just about ten seconds, grab fishing tackle and 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 gear and us and say, "We're going down to the surf," and we would be on bluefish, and it was crazy. Some of the, um, the most amazing fishing I ever experienced in my life was when the blues were running and Uncle Frank would get us up early on that morning to see and experience it. Now, what drove him to do that? What drove him to do that was that he loved fishing. And the boundaries of social etiquette just ceased to exist at 6.30 in the morning when he would come barreling into the house to say and announce, we gotta go fishing, it's now or never. It's like right now, it's happening. And he was driven to that because of how, how much he wanted us to experience this moment, and we did. And that's where I began to love fishing and the surf and, and his, his love for it drove him into that moment. Jesus, Listen, Jesus said, if you come and follow me, I want want to introduce you to something I love. We're going to go fishing, and we're going to fish for people, and we're going to draw them back to God. So will you come fish? So he calls his first disciples and says, we're going fishing for people, men and women and boys and girls, and we're going to bring them into a right relationship with God. Jesus calls his disciples to go fishing. I don't think in recent years, certainly not in recent months, probably not in recent years, have I ever felt personally like the blues are running like I do right now. In other words, people are hungry, people are hungry and the water's chopping and you can't really see it because the streets are empty. But people are hungry for relationship right now. And people are interested in connecting. And, and, and you might say to yourself, I don't know how to fish. I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. I don't know how to go out there and connect with them. I wouldn't know what to do with them. I wouldn't know what to do with them if I got them on the line. Listen, that's the last thing you think about when, you're, w- when the blues are running, that's the last thing you think about. You just get a line in the water. So what I wanna encourage you to do, because I don't think it's gonna be any easier A month from now or next year, I want to encourage you this week and next to seriously consider casting a line of grace, casting a net of grace, stepping across the street, connecting with your neighbor, fishing for men. If you believe in the resurrection of the body and you believe in God's grace and that it shouldn't just be kept for you, why not take this season and say, man, man, it, People are hungry for relationship. It is time to go fishing. Why not do it? Why not go for it and take the responsibility to be a disciple who shares God's grace with others? I want to pray for you uh, to that end. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for conquering death. Father, thank you for receiving the sacrifice of the Son. Holy Spirit, would you right now convince us that you've called us to follow Jesus by fishing with grace for people who have not yet tasted it? God, would you help us to get a line in the water? Would you help us to make an effort? Would you help us to be excited, moved, energized, compelled to see others experience this amazing thing called grace? This we pray for Jesus' glory forever, amen.